like I mentioned earlier about about him and you know, I could you know go out there have a fight and damage each other. Ah, he's an artist. I have you know how many of his paintings I have at my house. So I like to just take a knife and slice them up and say, here's another piece of your soul. I'm ripping the shreds, meaning your art is no longer relevant. I could be very vindictive and very mean, but I'm the kind of guy that said, you know what? Maybe I'll wait for the drop dead. Then I say, hey, eBay, I got Damien Demento artwork. Who wants to pay? And that'll be <laughs> Not my for anybody people. <laughs> well, look, he tried to sell his shoulder pads for $5,000 and donate it to the USO. And because of his rants, his demented rants that he did, no one took him serious. And I said, see, you're being over the top and stuff. Said, but now you're trying to be sincere. And everybody says you're the boy that cried wolf. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, guys, welcome back to the show today. And I've got a returning guest, the man that you've seen on the Mario Mancini stream a couple of podcasts ago. We were talking to this man. I felt that he didn't get to say as much as we would want to hear from him. He was very popular. People loved you. Mr. Chris Michaels, former WWE and ECW wrestler. And not too many people use that term these days, wrestler, because that's what you were and that's what you guys were back in the day. Mom, very much so. Um, today, people are sports entertainers, and I guess that's just, you know, you just like George Carlin would say, you would add vowels to things to kind of like soften the way things sound. So rather than being a wrestler, which back in the day, a lot of people would say, hey, you know, we know that stuff is not 100% legit but the last match i saw if i didn't know any better i could have swear these guys were trying to kill each other and that's the era that i grew up in um and uh you didn't have um skinny waif looking guys that um you know they they don't have a man's body they don't have anything that resembles anything um athletic and uh, it's kind of hard to, yeah, okay, the guy does all these good flippity-do stuff and this and that, but the guy's got spaghetti arms. Uh, and nothing about this guy uh, or a lot of these guys, uh, like the other you know, podcast I had mentioned, that a lot of these guys, to me, look like the guy that delivered your pizza from Papa John's, Uber Eats, Grubhub, whatever. None of these guys... Uh, for what I see, put in the work because now it's considered sports entertainment and now it is all-inclusive, which uh, we say back in my day. Oh, sorry. I'm, my allergies are acting up. Uh, but, you know, to, to, for a business that you had the guy like Dr. D. David Schultz slapping the shit out of John Stossel when he was cocky, and John Stossel, for what you want, he deserved what he got because he said, I want to ask you the standard question. I Were you there for that? Fake. I wish I was. But every single wrestling highlight video that I made to send to every promoter started with the slap. That was the signature. Because uh, look, nowadays, the fans are beating the shit out of the boys. It's like when you see a fan jump in a wrestler and, and the guy's got has no hands, has no skills. Uh it, it it's it's sad. It's it's sad. When I see guys wearing sneakers and kick pads, it it's it's heartbreaking because they're getting out the cheap way. 
and the way I, I, I use my analogy, okay, my analogy is like this. You've got to go to an auto mechanic to get your car fixed. He rolls out a big, big uh, uh, mobile or rolling toolbox with snap-on tools or one of these big brand a Matco or something like that. And you say, wow, this guy's got a two-tier rolling cart of nothing but tools. This guy's a professional mechanic. Now we look at the modern-day wrestlers. Uh, they've got their kick pads, their sneakers. They don't get boots. And um, a lot of their gear is flashy and stuff. They've got T-shirts and stuff. And a lot of these guys have no time in the business. So they're basically putting the cart in front of the horse. They're getting merchandised before these guys have even went from green and, and bloomed into something better. And uh, I see it all the time. When I could walk into a locker room being almost 62 years old and my body looks better than these young guys, it's a sad state of affairs. How did you decide if we rewind it back just initially that you wanted to get into this business? Well, uh, during my time I uh, served in the U.S. Army, I spent my time at Fort Polk, Louisiana. And down there, Mid-South Wrestling uh, with uh, Cowboy Bill Watts, Boyd Pierce, the ring announcer, Jim Ross was the color commentary guy, uh, Magnum T.A., oh, God, he, had, he would have been uh, my right-handed God if Magnum T.A. did not have that motorcycle accident, Terry Bollea would have never been Hulk Hogan. That's my prediction. That's my my feeling, my prediction. That motorcycle accident was Terry Bollea's biggest break. In my opinion. Mm -hmm. And um, I suppose, like, what was the reaction like then from your friends and family when you say that this is the path and the road that I want to go down? Well, my first ex-wife, if that gives you any indication of how the news was received... Uh, basically wanted me to be an insurance salesman like her father. Well, he wasn't a salesman, actually. He was actually the assistant vice president to the underwriters of the Geico company. If you've ever seen the gecko lizard for the Geico commercials, he was yeah. a big wig in that company. And at the time, he was making some good money. Um, and I'll go on the record, and I want to say this on the record. My ex-father-in-law, Richard C. Van Essendorf, um, if I could achieve to be a quarter of what that man was, I would be a lot. And he truly exemplified what it is to be a Christian. And I'm not saying this to preach religion, but I'm, at, I'm just giving credit to a man who um, was the grandfather of my sons, Chris and Michael, incidentally, who is the reason why I named myself that, just as a little distraction and chasing a squirrel head on but um you know getting back to the um uh the wrestling aspect of breaking in um at that time the they had changed from mid-south wrestling to uwf um the first uwf because the other one was herb abrams which i worked for him that was later on but they had a wrestling academy because I was in the service, I couldn't go. So I thought my dream and aspirations would surpass. Fast forward, after I'm out of the army, my mother died suddenly from a stroke and I had to leave, take care of my dad. 
And as I was working one of the jobs, I was goofing around with one of the girls at the job, just like, you know, like making jokes. And um, she goes, I'll beat you up. I said, oh, yeah, I'll body slam you. She goes, yeah, well, my dad will body slam me. I said, oh, yeah. Why, oh, yeah. Why is that? Because my dad's a wrestler. I'm like, really? Tell me more about this. And he also had a wrestling school. Really? That's how that all began. His name was Mark Tendler. God rest his soul. Um, he was assassinated. Uh, and that's a, another a story in itself. Uh but he was the guy, he was married to a wrestler named Kitty Adams. That's going back. And he was the guy who initially that um, gave me my start in the wrestling school, which Mick Foley, everyone knows, was Cactus Jack or Cactus Jack Manson at the time that he was wrestling. Um, he used to come to the wrestling school and beat the crap out of us to break us in, to you know, see if we really wanted this. And I didn't break in in a wrestling ring where a lot of these kids are, oh, boy, they get in the ring and they bump. No, I was actually, I learned in a garage with um, the cement floor had two by fours and plywood and matting put down just like the good old fashioned collegiate style wrestling. So I had to learn how to bump on that, not having the, the comfort of a spring a reinforced spring shock absorb wrestling ring. So we had to learn the hard way first, the tough way, learn how to bump on cement, no padding, uh, all the tough stuff. And because of the glitz and glamour and the showboating, a lot of the kids today, they're so enamored with what they do out there and don't realize that they have to tell a story. And the whole thing, wrestling, which is still on top of the marquee, last time I checked, um, I thought the goal of wrestling was to pin your shoulder, uh, opponent's shoulders to the mats for the one, two, three. But yeah. now we're doing cartwheels and do-si-dos. And, you know, uh, it's, it's crazy. All of these ridiculous rules. I was actually just watching a WrestleMania because I haven't watched WWE since whatever. I said, you know what? I get the Peacock Network. I got it for free. Let me watch WrestleMania 2022. When I was watching the Randy Orton and whatever else, they had that match with all these tag teams. Do, they were doing the gimmick when they got all these guys standing out there waiting for some shithead to do a dive. Really, I'm getting a phone call. And usually when it's on the landline, it's spam. So I'm going to hang up on them right now. <laughs> Can't make this stuff up. Could be Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably uh, wanted me to have a cease and desist. Don't talk anymore. <laughs> I, I have nothing bad to say about them. They didn't do anything bad to me. They didn't do anything wrong to me. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I walked away from them because I was working for ECW. Because how, how did you how did how did you end up in the WWF initially? Anyway, because I know you were doing working with ECW as well. Well, I actually. Uh, got to okay, it was kind of a weird. So, I started out with the Savoldi's. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Uh, Angelo Savoldi had a wrestling company called ICW International Championship Wrestling. Then, they merged with world class champion, uh, world class championship wrestling, and then they became 
IWCCW and sometimes like, but, but, <laughs> but so it became this this whole big, uh, the whole big thing. But from them, I went to um, because of John Rizzi. You may know who he is, John Rizzi, um, and another friend of mine. I'll give him credit, Al Schaefer. He went to Sunny Blaze back in the day, and since him and John Rizzi were good buddies. And they had connections with Terry Garvin. Um, they got guys like myself, uh, Big Vito, when he was Skull Von Crust, yeah. uh, Mike Iorio, who also became Primo Cranero III later on. And, of course, the same guy, Brian Donahue, who was the Dublin Destroyer, who we spoke with the, uh, about the last time and. Um, and I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I, I can't wait to Pearl Harbor him when you get him in it. It's going to be so good because uh, he's one of those kind of guys that um, stand up guy that if you ever needed somebody on your side and to have your back and to um, be there for you, Brian's that guy. Um, I will also like to. Uh, mentioned my also my good friend Joey Bernard, who was my personal trainer, who helped train Brian Donahue, Mike Iorio. Um, I'm not sure if Bubba 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 Ray, um, Mark LaMonica. Oh, I know, I just gave his real name. Um, he broke in at the uh, Victory Wrestling Alliance Wrestling School, and I was there when he was breaking in. Is uh, Mikey Whipwreck. I beat the dog crap out of him when he was breaking in. Uh, him and his buddies, Mike Norman, Paul Loria, uh, Craig, and, and John. Uh, they, we called them the gerbils. And I would grab I would grab them, wear them out for hours. I would take them in and out of the ring and give these guys a chance because they were smaller guys and the big guys used to beat them up all the time and never give them a chance to work. So I said, you look, I'm not a big guy, so I'm going to work with you guys. And at that time, I was the uh, ECW Tag Team Champion with uh, Suicide Plots. Mm. You fought uh, Ric Flair in the WWF. Uh, you always kind of hear mixed reports on people from Ric Flair. You know, some people love him, some people hate him. What was he like to work with? And what was he like kind of backstage, we'll say, with you guys? Uh, I will say Ric Flair was nothing but a gentleman for me. Um, I will say... I probably blew my chance with WWF because he called the spot. I couldn't hear him. And he took over, and that was the end of it. I was, but I was too green. I was so green at that time, and just to be there was, to me, a privilege. Um, you know, it's. I mean, he beat the crap out of me, and when I got to the back, I was like, I hope everything was okay. So, you know, and for all those people think that I'm killing kayfabe, I'm sorry, but Vince killed it a long time ago. If you want to see the headstone in the graveyard, it happened when WWF got the F out and became WWE. So you'll like it. I got two words for you. Happy birthday. <laughs> was, well, I don't was, want to demonetize you, so I'm going to try to keep it. Uh, I know you. You could say, "Well, I'm already care. I don't really care." I said it'll only make maybe eleven or twelve cent anyway. But what I was going to say was, uh, was he was Rick pissed off with you then after that? Nah, you know what? If the people there was so much noise, I couldn't hear him call. And had I put him in a headlock, 
because Rick is the kind of guy that um, would never call the guy a jobber. He would call them the guys who do favors, which to me is uh, one of the things, if you don't notice that at least at most of every match um, that I could see at the end of the match, the guy that's over will always look down and you'll always see him get an eye contact before he's out of the ring. And it's customary to thank your brother after you're put over. Uh, which, like anything else, you know, um, uh, enhancement talent, they call us, they call it out, jobber, right? Jobber, two syllables. Now, enhancement talent, five syllables. So you went from jobber, two syllables, to five syllables. Why? Because it makes it sound better? It's the same damn thing. Same damn thing. It's not a part of the business anymore. It's not a part of the business because they want guys that are going to, like like you alluded to earlier, just sell merchandise basically on TV and they want guys that are there all the time. You know, I think that's what it comes down to. Well, remember back when, when I was doing stuff, um, a lot of these guys that are now considered legends and icons and phenoms. Well, I think my wife's home. So, because <laughs> you hear the dog barking. And uh, I think the biggest thing that... I get out of it is that that as much as we may have been the bottom rung guys on the totem pole and on the ladder, that um, there was a certain level of trust that uh, might the agents that I had, uh, Tony Guria, Rene Goulet, uh, uh, Terry Garvin, uh, you know, all those guys. You know, they knew that I was out there and I didn't care, you know, go out there and look. Uh, no one ever rags on a stuntman in a movie uh, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies where he's wiping out all kinds of people, um, shooting them in a sec. And no one, you know, no one says, oh, all those stuntmen in the beginning of the movie, they all got shot dead. And blah, 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 blah. No one ever rags on them. But you're ragging on guys that are helping build and develop the future superstars. Look, Rob, the Brooklyn brawler did that his entire career. And look at all the people he helped build and develop. You know, sometimes people don't mind being in the shadows. People don't mind, uh, you know, being like, uh, like in construction. You know, you or you're putting a window in there, something called a shim, and the shim's got to be put in to even things up. And all right, so some of us were the shims, but a lot of us are not glory hands. And mm -hmm. that's the thing is um, because I was in acting before I got involved with wrestling. So they always said there are no um, small actors, only small parts. Every person regardless of how big your part is or how small your part is there is some level of significance as to why you're there in the story and you know everybody cannot be the head everybody cannot be the top and people have to stay in their lane and know their roles and understand that there's a time and a place for everybody uh uh because i was not six feet something or other i was only five eight you know Guys my size never got over. Then Mysterio got 
uh, went over on uh, the Giant, on Paul uh, White in uh, WCW. And it's like, yeah. so, you know, I, I guess, you know, wrestling has always been um, larger than life and crazy. I was watching on the WrestleMania that a midget come out during the Johnny Knoxville match with uh, Sami Zayn. Yeah. I was there. I was in Dallas last year. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Now I'll put it to you. I'll put it to you this way, okay? I went with two guys over to WrestleMania last year that don't watch wrestling, and they love the show. But you can understand why, because of all the entertainment stuff that was thrown in there, nostalgia, Stone Cold coming back, Johnny Knoxville, Logan Paul, all that kind of stuff. So it was ba- it was a glorified entertainment show over the two nights, and plus it should only be one night. I think two nights is a killer for Mania, but that's just my opinion. But they liked it because they were entertained, but they're not fans of wrestling. So, of course. Well, you can tell that, wrestling fans. Audience. Wrestling fans and uh, WWE fans are totally different. A real wrestling fan will drive, will cross more state lines to watch a wrestling show than the guy that's booked to work the show. That is a real fan. And I remember seeing the same people at places. I would drive 400 miles away, and I see the same faces. And, uh, you know, today, like I said, kayfabe is dead. It's buried. There's a headstone someplace in the graveyard with uh, kayfabe's name on it. Because uh, back in the early days, if a guy got his leg injured in a match, then every time you saw that guy anywhere in public, he's walking around on crutches with his leg limping. Yep. But that's the difference now. See, they're, they're, it's it's like if you took David Copperfield and everybody else in magic said, okay, well, here you go. Here's all the secrets to the tricks. Who the hell's going to want to come back and watch magic again? But somehow yeah. with wrestling, we said, hey, here it is. We've, we've you're given up the gimmick. You know why? Because we're all these smart marks and all these basement-dwelling, undateable, smelly wrestling fans that couldn't get a date if they went into an all-female prison with a fistful of pardons and a bag full of cigarettes. These guys couldn't get a female unless it required a credit card verification. Yeah, I'm shooting on them. Every last one of them because they're beta boys. Basement dwelling, hot pocket eating, throw a replica belt over my shoulder, losers. That's what you guys are. And I'm shooting on you because of the damn truth. How about instead of living your life vicarious, do something with yourself? Because every time I see a fan with a belt over their shoulder, I challenge them to come in the ring and say, because you didn't beat anybody for that belt. For $600, anybody can throw that strap over their shoulder. But I would do that as a heel, you know, just to be a ball break, you know, not to seriously challenge him to come in. There were it's, certain it, guys. <laughs> it's still a, it's still a kind of a valid point, I guess, when you think about it. But I wonder, what was Hogan like around the place backstage when you were there? Ah, uh, well, I never really had too much interaction with him. He seemed okay. Um, uh, you know, he was like goofing around one time, but like you know, like. Like during the steroid controversy, when and you know, WWE, the wrestlers all probably could have taken their steroids and their their D ball and testosterone and anadrol and 
the Decca, Winstrel, all of their drugs. See, if Vince McMahon didn't decide to stick his dick in the Joe Wheatus territory, his boys could have kept staying jacked up on the roids and would have never been noticed. But because Vince, that's right, Vince, sorry, but sometimes you just got to stay in your goddamn lane. Stay in your fucking lane, Vince. XFL, big failure. Or maybe what you do? You did it to go bankrupt? Bankroll? I really, I can imagine your father must be rolling in his grave right now. I can imagine it. And I saw him at that WrestleMania 2022 coming out there. He fucked up. You fucked up, Vince. Remember what your father told you? Don't be a wrestler. Be a promoter. But no. Glory hound Vince. You had to go out there. Fuck up the goddamn finish. You fuck the finish. You fuck the finish. You suck. You suck. How Steve Austin didn't beat your ass and throw you out of reach for fucking the finish. Retire and go home. Retire. Go home. Just go home. Stay with your grandkids. Really. Trust me. It's just it's over. It's it's truly over. Just go away. Go away. That would, my my next question was going to be on actually the the steroids and stuff like that. But you were just before you went into Vince there, you were starting a story about Hulk. Oh, all right. Um, like I said, he was cool in the back, was joking about uh, Vietnam and Jimmy Hoff and stuff. But I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, he was a he was you know he was, he was a joker in the back, and he was not hard to talk to. Unlike Ultimate Warrior, who like had his own locker room and wouldn't talk to anybody, and you know, just separated himself from the rest of the people. And you know, look, entertainers, people in this business are mental to start with. Anybody who's an artist is someone who's bipolar, manic depressive. A D D E F I U and sometimes Y. They're all of those things. All entertainers have this self have a self-esteem issue because they don't know if they if they're good enough and if they measure up enough. And that's the, the situation with entertainers, with wrestlers, musicians, everybody's nuts. And those that don't have egos are the best to be around. Um big boss man. I was forget what arena I was in. We were in the locker room area. The benches were nailed to the ground or shot in, whichever. And everybody's wrestling bags were on one side, turning in a narrow way to walk. So this is before the show. The music is playing, and I'm walking towards uh, Ray Trailer, Big Boss Man, and we're like like a few feet apart from each other. We're like, okay, well, who you know? I stepped to the left. He stepped to the left. I stepped to the right. So we basically both stepped in the same direction and like we couldn't read each other. Then we like looked at each other for a second, looked each other in the eye, took one step in, grabbed each other in a ballroom dancing pose and sort of dancing. Instant friendship, <laughs> just like that. Um, another good story. I don't know if I told the Whippet story about Rotary or Hork last nope. time. We... Okay. So Anyone knows what nitrous oxide is? If you've ever had whipped cream, it's the inner ingredient that's in there. Laughing gas. Yes. Otherwise known as sweet air if you go to the dentist. But that's the biggest component in whipped cream. 
So we had these canisters and a thing you'd you know, spin to crack the canister open and fill up this, the punching bag balloon because it was thick rubber. So you fill the balloon up with the nitrous and, and you know, you know, forget about it. So I was talking about that in the locker room in front of Animal and Hawk, Road Warriors. And then Percy Pringle came up, uh, otherwise known as uh, Paul Bear. He goes, oh, I know what you're talking about, whippets. So now all of a sudden, Hawk is interested. He's like, oh, brother, what, what's up with that? So, well, you know, now that you've asked, I actually have it in my bag. Let me set you up, set one up for you. So got the canister out, got the thing, put the balloon on, filled it up, gave it to Hawk. He sucked that thing in. I said, I said, don't hold it. Blow it out. Blow it out. So but I blew it out. Then all of a sudden his eyes just like got really wide. He looked at me. And then the hawk gimmick voice goes, Do you know what that feels like? Do you know what that feels like, brother? I'm like, no, Hawk, what? That feels like another man. That shit was good. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, me and him became buddies too. But it's just a lot of guys, I guess they're uh especially when you're in that capacity uh, and you're seen by that many people, they want to make certain that you're not going to be starstruck by them. And then, you know, then they think what ulterior motive do you have besides that? You know? So I always looked at them as regular people, same thing like uh, SummerSlam 90. My very first thing that I did, and I know I did mention on the podcast that I did, cause I talked about my father, but, Macho Man was the Macho King, and Sensational Sherry was uh, Queen Sherry at the time. And it was the Dusty Rhodes retirement match with Sweet Sapphire. So, and ironically, Philadelphia had the Super Bowl happen this past weekend. It was at the Spectrum that was named like a thousand times. And we had a car I, I carried Macho Man out on the Satan. I was one of those four guys carried him out. But we had to do his promo before that. And we had to hold him. So, and they had to take it like three times. It's like, you know, holding him up in the air on this thing. It's like, you know, after a while, it's like wearing on his shoulders. But, yeah, um, you know, we, we stuck it out. We did what we had to do. And that's all part of all part of the business. And I think everybody just likes the glory that, that's uh, associated with it. And don't realize the amount of effort behind it. Because... If I told you when I broke in, I ICW, I drove the ring truck, I set the ring up, I would job six times, and then I would break the ring down, load the truck, drive to the next town. I was on TV more than Tony Atlas, who was a heavyweight champion at that time for ICW. So basically what I'm saying is that when you really, really have a passion for this business, you will go above and beyond up, over, around, through, underneath, whatever you got to do. But if what you're, if this is not a passion and this is just something you're doing because, all right, get a piece of ass every once in a while because some stupid broad believes the bullshit you're telling her. <laughs> um, now, I, I, look, the guys that, oh, I spent all this time in the business. I said, okay, well, how many injuries do you have? How much time did you spend on the road? When I see guys saying pro wrestler, I said, okay, is that sustaining your income? Because if it's not, don't say that. I never told people I was a pro wrestler. I said, I worked at these places, but I didn't say I was a pro wrestler because if I if I am, then I wouldn't have to tell you because you should know who I am already. Mm -hmm. 
know, yes, I spent more than 30 years in this business. But I spent more time building people up and sending them on the way than putting myself over. And if that makes me, in some people's minds, a jerk, an idiot, or whatever, well, guess what? I'm, I, was, I was an Army sergeant. And part of being an Army sergeant, you train to lead, train to succeed. And that's, that's, uh, that's all about me. My thing is, if I could say five people became something because of something I did to help them, then um, my payback is not money. Uh, yeah. My payback is going to be how many people attend my funeral yeah. or how much I help people. Um, <clears throat> what was the difference between being in a WWF locker room and an ECW locker room? And I know ECW kind of changed a lot over time, even after you were there as well. But what was it like kind of initially being there? In the beginning, it was great. Um I can say nothing bad about Todd Gordon and ECW. I will also put my friend over, Robert Smith, today because he was the guy that put the um, gave me the rub to Todd Gordon, and then I went ahead and sent my highlight video, which, by the way, guys, if you're a wrestler, don't ever send the highlight video because most promoters will want to watch a um, video that starts from bell to bell. And if you're going over, don't send that video. Anyone can look good in a highlight package. Well, he liked what I did. And I mean, I did what I did. And because of um, my, my, I guess, uh, teamwork attitude was Eddie Gilbert decided to make me the third member of the Suicide Blondes. Uh, I had a 45 minute long conversation with him. He called my house and I was like, I was like, my mouth was still hanging out, but I couldn't believe he actually called me. And he was like, look, people are going to get upset. People are going to be this, people are going to be that. But um, you remind me of a young me breaking into business. And I was like, wow, what a compliment that is. And I think what I'm going to do now um, especially since um, there's a little bit of fuel left in this gas tank. And I intend on proving to everybody that ageism is something that has been created. And at pushing 62, these guys are going to have to try to keep up. Yeah, because I see your stuff on social media. Like you keep yourself in very good shape. Like so, you're you are far from retired. So what what what's coming up for you? Like in terms of appearances and stuff, have you got anything booked? Or are you just waiting to get to? You were kind of alluding the other night that you want to get to a certain level of shape before you get the the ball moving. Well, you're right. Um, I want to get myself. Remember, um, being someone who was always um, trying to set the example. I want to still be in that form. So I don't want to go there and be the example. So setting the example and being the example, two different things. Setting the example is the level you uh, uh, aspire to achieve to. Being the example is the guy you don't want to be. So you got to figure out in this business, if you don't have 15 years of your life to throw away, then I suggest don't get involved. 
But as good as you think you are, you fucking suck. I hate to break it to you, but you suck. Some of you suck so bad, you have to get better just to be the drizzling shits. <laughs> but that's because you guys, you know, a lot of you guys are money marks. Uh, you know, or I'm selling some tickets. You're a ticket seller. You put asses in the seats, but uh, you, you know, it's 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 a sad thing. If if you've seen some of these locker rooms I've looked at lately, and the guys that are in there, it's like uh, we're doing make a wish for a cancer patient, and I'm looking at all these guys that will never make it in the business, but they're there for their make a wish wrestling match. And that's how, and I will not take it back because that's the goddamn truth. None of these boys, mm. more, I'll say 90, 98.99 of what you see in wrestling right now would get mugged if they walked in Midtown Manhattan or Bushwick, Brooklyn, or maybe go to Soundview in the Bronx. But I guarantee they'd either be a crime victim or a chalk outline. They're not tough. But just not tough. And where are you, where are you planning on wrestling? Uh, there's a company in Massachusetts that I want to give light to. It's called New Age Wrestling. Uh, it's run by a man by the name of Richard Blake, who is a phenomenal man. Uh, he It is a Christian-based wrestling organization. Not that I'm pushing religion. But it is done in a way that you could bring your grandma to the wrestling event and you don't have to explain shit later. And a family type of entertainment where you come out there and make something that people could come and enjoy. Yeah, uh, I was at I was at one I, I took my three year old to a family wrestling show here in Ireland about three weeks ago. And it was in a really, really cool venue. It was actually in like a theater where they do have plays and stuff like that. But the ring was up on the stage area and it was sold out. 150 people there, mostly kids on a Sunday afternoon, kids friendly show. But it was very, very entertaining. So we made the mistake of this past week bringing them to a play. And it was just like going from something he loved to the play just didn't really do it. He was in the front row at the wrestling. He had the guys falling at his feet, fighting, whatever. And actually over here in Ireland, we've got a very, very good wrestling scene at the moment. And, you know, you've you've seen some of the people that we've brought over, even through UFC, Conor McGregor, boxing, Katie Taylor, through wrestling, Becky Lynch, Finn Balor, Sheamus, those people, Jordan Devlin. And there's a lot more coming down the line from this country as well. It's a very exciting time actually over here for such a small country. We've got a thriving wrestling scene. It's great to see. Well, I'll tell you what. Since uh, Ireland is part of my heritage, I want to make this my dying wish to come out there and totally break uh, break the walls down, tear the building down. But I want to show people what someone of my age has to offer because what I see right now, um, I'm not encouraged at all. I'm not encouraged at all. Just the does fact that motivate that, you? Does that motivate oh, you more to do this? Yeah. Well, I've, I've uh, privately I've showed you pictures of my downstairs gym that I just moved from my outside garage inside my house. I've set it up where um, it's it's time. 
Um, it's called use it or lose it. So if you don't go out there and um, push the weights, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger said, if you can't give yourself 45 minutes a day to dedicate to take care of yourself, you know, uh, when we were kids, you couldn't, um, you had to drag us. Hey, you couldn't. You had to actually drag us in the house because we wanted to play. We wanted to live. And one of the things I, I would say that, and not to stray away from wrestling, I'm not trying to be morally better than anybody else, but I will say it's not the days that you have in your life. It's the life that you have in your days. So for everybody that's depressed, guess what? Life sucks. Everybody's got something to deal with. But if you make closed comments, I won't, I can't, I this, well, then you've already sealed your fate. But you got to ask the right questions. What can I do to get to this? What can I do to get to that? Whatever it is with wrestling, what can I do to get to this level? Well, that means I got to do a couple extra sets of squats, get some strong legs. Because back in my day, being a guy 225 pounds, I was able to jack three and 400 pound guys up and body slam them. And a lot of times they didn't give me a boost. I did it on my own. The wrestling kids today want to be flashy but they don't want to be intimidating and scary. And that was what my problem is. There's a few that do, but not all. Mm -hmm. And of course, I will link your social media pages underneath this video, um, just so people can keep an eye on what's going on. And look, it was a pleasure to catch up with you today. I think we might we might have to catch up again even. So I enjoy talking to you. Oh, Tell oh. great stories. If we keep this up, I'll make a special background just to celebrate us having our time together. Yeah, we I, I've got a special day coming up in a few weeks. In about a month's time, we might do a show that night. If you're not busy, I I won't announce anything right now as I'm recording this, but we'll uh, we'll keep in of touch course. and we might plan something. Well, like I said, um, give me an advance notice and I'll make this a priority. But we yeah. still got a um, Pearl Harbor, Brian. <laughs> uh, 